This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, a 12-person jury declares Alec Murdoch guilty of murdering his wife and son. Find out what compelled their unanimous decision to convict him. South Dakota moves to ban ballot drop boxes in elections. A bill that aims to clean up absentee voting laws has already passed the state's House and Senate. We have the details. Top voices from the conservative world gather in Washington to share their vision. Day two of the Conservative Political Action Conference. We have more on what was discussed. Canadian members of Parliament are looking into allegations of CCP interference in elections. And the Trudeau Foundation announces the return of a million-dollar donation linked to Beijing. And an Indiana wom woman opens a candy shop inspired by her late grandfather. We have the story of a special friendship that leads to an act of kindness. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. And I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Friday, March 3rd. We're starting off today with the outcome of Alec Murdoch's six-week-long double murder trial. A South Carolina jury found Murdoch guilty yesterday of killing his wife and son in 2021. Jurors came to a verdict after just three hours of deliberations. Murdoch was also convicted on two counts of a possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime. A sentencing hearing is scheduled for this morning. Here's more on the verdict. The jury has been polled and the verdict is... Disbarred lawyer Alex Murdoch was found guilty of killing his wife and son on Thursday by a jury in South Carolina. Murdoch, who comes from an influential legal family with immense political power around South Carolina's low country region, was mostly expressionless as the verdict was announced. Before Thursday, he'd admitted to lying about his alibi and to a list of financial crimes and confessions that dented his credibility. However, even in late stages of the trial, Murdoch said he had nothing to do with the killings. I didn't shoot my wife or my son any time. Prosecutors said Murdoch shot his wife and son at close range on the family estate on June 7, 2021, to generate sympathy and distract from his financial crimes, which include theft of millions of dollars from his law partners and clients to feed a years-long addiction to opioids and support an expensive lifestyle. One of the strongest pieces of evidence against Murdoch was a video shot by his son Paul, which placed Alex Murdoch at the crime scene, the dark kennels on his estate, just minutes before the murders occurred. That contradicted with what he told investigators. Defense lawyers accused law enforcement of fabricating evidence to frame Alex Murdoch. They motioned for a mistrial, which was swiftly denied. Lead prosecutor Creighton Waters spoke to reporters after the verdict. It doesn't matter who your family is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. If you do wrong, if you break the law, if you murder, then justice will be done in South Carolina. Murdoch may face up to 30 years behind bars for each of the two counts of murder when he's sentenced on Friday. A forensic expert told the court gunshot residue was found on Murdoch's clothes. They were tested the day after the murders. Gunshot residue was also found on a blue rain jacket at his parents' home months later. Prosecutors claim Murdoch wrapped his guns in the jacket when he went to hide them. 
The judge gave a couple of reasons for denying the request for a mistrial. He said the jury had enough time to consider the evidence and that the evidence of guilt was overwhelming. Prosecutors honed in on Murdoch's credibility due to his lying about his whereabouts on the night of the killings. They say they will not seek the death penalty in today's sentencing, but will instead be looking for life in prison without the possibility of parole. Severe weather hit parts of Texas last night. Tornado sirens sounded in Dallas as the skies darkened. The National Weather Service reported five tornadoes in counties east of Dallas. Officials say heavy winds overturned multiple semi-trucks in the state. The powerful gusts also caused a shop front in Little Elm to collapse. The shop facade buried several cars. Luckily, no one was inside them nor hurt when it happened. A local utility says over 170,000 homes and businesses were without power last night. Forecasters expect the storm to move east this weekend. They estimate up to 60 million Americans could be affected. The Justice Department argued against former President Trump having absolute immunity from civil lawsuits. That's in connection with the January 6, 2021 Capitol breach. This as Democrats push back against House Speaker Kevin McCarthy giving Fox News access to several hours of footage of the events on January 6th. NTD's Melina Wisecup reports. Members of Congress and U.S. Capitol Police officers have filed several lawsuits attempting to hold Trump liable for what they say are psychological and physical injuries stemming from January 6th. Trump's lawyers argued that the former president is immune, referencing a Supreme Court ruling that says presidents are absolutely immune from civil damages that come via their official acts as president. The DOJ responding opposed, stating that their position is that Trump is not immune in these civil suits. This comes as a DOJ special counsel is leading a separate federal criminal investigation into Trump. Trump writing on Truth Social, they're not coming for me, they're coming for you. I'm just in their way. This comes amid a heated disagreement between Republicans and Democrats over Speaker McCarthy's decision to hand over 40,000 plus hours of January 6th footage to Fox's Tucker Carlson. House Democrat leader Hakeem Jeffries this week telling reporters that he believes there should be a balance between transparency and protecting security here on Capitol grounds. This led me to ask him if he believes the American people should be shown a more complete picture of the events on January 6th. Here's what he told me. So is it your position that the January 6th committee offered a complete picture of what happened on January 6th, or do you think that more could be shown? Uh, The January 6th committee presented an incredibly comprehensive and thorough picture of what happened on January 6th using a variety of different means, including, yes, video footage, but perhaps even more significantly, the narrative of January 6th was told through the lens of Donald Trump's closest allies who were part of his administration. Democrats have accused McCarthy of being irresponsible and handing over the footage. McCarthy this week told reporters, we work with the Capitol Police as well, so we'll make sure security is taken care of. Because I think sunshine matters, so I don't care what side of the issue you are on. That's why I think putting it out all to the American public, you can see the truth see exactly what transpired that day. As for when the footage will be shown widely, McCarthy says as soon as possible. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Wisecup, NTD News. 
South Dakota is set to ban ballot drop boxes in elections. State lawmakers just passed a bill that's meant to clean up the state's absentee voting laws. The bill applies to unmonitored and unsecured ballot drop boxes. The South Dakota State House passed the final version of the bill on Wednesday. The state Senate passed the bill earlier this week. The bill is now headed to the desk of Republican Governor Kristi Noem for her signature. Noem has in the past expressed support for banning drop boxes in the state. Lawmakers who voted for this bill said this will make it easy to vote but hard to cheat. They voiced concerns over the connection between drop boxes and ballot harvesting. Opponents of the measure argue that drop boxes offer a convenient and accessible option for voters. Leading conservatives shared their thoughts at the 2023 Conservative Political Action Conference in Washington yesterday. Speakers tackled issues like the CCP, the Justice Department, and so-called wokeness in education. And today's Daniel Monahan has the story. Good morning and welcome to CPAC 2023. The CPAC conference is the largest and most influential gathering of conservatives in the world. Tennessee Senator Bill Haggerty discussed the CCP's military buildup. He responded to a question on why the White House isn't taking the China threat more seriously. It's amazing to me that the Biden administration hasn't learned the most fundamental lesson from the Trump administration. And President Trump understood this clearly, that to deal with China, to deal with communist China, you must deal from a position of absolute strength. Haggerty says the Biden administration has tried to negotiate from a position of weakness. If you asked someone to solve the equation where China wins every time and the U.S. loses every time, at every instant, the Biden administration would get an A-plus on that paper. According to Haggerty, turning the other cheek won't make China turn our way. The topic then shifted to the CCP's hand in the fentanyl crisis. Well, the CCP is violating our sovereignty every single day when they kill our youth here in America. Haggerty says the CCP is working with cartels to shove poison across the southern border. Ohio Senator J.D. Vance criticized what he called the political bias of the Justice Department under Merrick Garland. He's gone after a pro-life father of seven at his home, arrested him like a hardened criminal. Yep. He's gone after parents peacefully protesting at their children's school board meetings. He's had the FBI investigate traditional Catholics as being domestic terrorists. Meanwhile, Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville discussed so-called wokeness in education. Folks, we're in trouble. Our country is in trouble, and it starts with education. Tuberville says if someone wants to make a difference in life, they should run for the school board. Until we start recognizing what the left is doing, trying to change family, trying to change the things that, that are our moral values, we've got no chance. Chaya Raychik discussed what moved her to start libs of TikTok. I think it was just how outrageous it all was and the fact that they were so proud of it. Raychik was referring to videos of kindergarten teachers discussing sexual themes and gender identity with kindergarten kids. Raychik felt that the public needed to know about it. I'm just a woman who saw a problem and decided to help and do something about it. The panel credited Raychik with shining a bright light on these issues. They say it sparked school boards and Congress to take action. Former President Donald Trump will be the keynote speaker on CPAC's final day, March 4th. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. 
Walgreens says it won't be selling abortion pills in mail in 20 conservative-led states. The company made the announcement in a statement yesterday. The announcement comes after a warning from attorneys general from the 20 states last month. They were told they could face legal consequences if they sell them. CVS was also warned. A Walgreens spokesperson confirmed the company sent a response to each of the attorneys general promising not to dispense the pills by mail in their states. Walgreens is not currently dispensing the pills, but is working to become eligible to. An FDA-mandated process requires pharmacies to meet specific standards. That includes certification for shipping, tracking and confidentially storing drug prescription records. Coming up, Canadian members of Parliament are looking into allegations of CCP interference in elections. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau opposes the idea. A fire tore through an under-construction skyscraper in Hong Kong. Over 150 people were evacuated. We have more after the break. Welcome back. U.S. and South Korean troops are set to conduct their largest combined military drills in years. Officials from the two countries announced the large-scale drills today. The exercises are dubbed Freedom Shield. They will be held from March 13th to the 23rd. The two militaries say it will strengthen the Allies' combined defensive posture as well as their response capabilities. The spokesman for South Korean forces says the focus will be on changing threats and the security environment. He referenced North Korea's aggression and their advanced nuclear and missile program. He also talked about adapting from lessons learned in recent wars and conflicts. The spokesman for U.S. forces says the drills are routine and purely defensive. One of those exercises will include a combined amphibious drill that will be conducted to improve combined operation execution capabilities. North Korean officials claim joint military operations like this are proof that the U.S. and its allies are hostile. South Korean officials have noted that North Korea is also conducting annual winter drills. And in Canada, members of parliament are looking into recent allegations of CCP interference in elections. A committee is now calling on the federal government to set up a public inquiry into the issue. The committee voted in favor of the public inquiry yesterday, this after hearing testimony from top intelligence officials. Recent reports from national security sources suggest the Chinese regime has attempted to influence the last two federal elections in 2019 and 2021. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said earlier this week that he doesn't support launching a public inquiry. And speaking of Trudeau, the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation is returning a large donation linked to Beijing. Back in 2016, a Chinese billionaire named Zhang Bin pledged a million dollars to the foundation and the University of Montreal. Zhang was later found to be an advisor to the CCP. Canadian intelligence sources say the CCP instructed Zhang to make the donation and promised to reimburse him. The foundation announced Wednesday they returned the donation after learning about Zhang's link to Beijing. The University of Montreal says Zhang wanted to use parts of that fund to build a statue of former Chinese Communist leader Mao Zedong at the university. Nebraska's governor is taking action against Chinese companies linked to the Chinese com- against companies linked to the Chinese Communist Party or the CCP. Republican Governor Jim Pillen announced yesterday that he's issued an executive order to protect his state. 
The order bans the state government and contractors from using equipment and services produced by a list of CCP-linked companies. It says they can be used to commit malicious actions that include economic and industrial espionage. Companies on the list include Huawei and ZTE, among others. Pillen says the executive order will stop the CCP from using technology to infiltrate and influence Nebraska's infrastructure. Investigations are underway after a fire broke out last night in a Hong Kong skyscraper. The fire tore through the upper floors of the under construction building. It burned for nine hours and spread to neighboring buildings. And today's cost, Jimenez, has the details. The fire broke out late on Thursday night at a redevelopment project in the Tsimshat Sui district in Kowloon. Falling debris from the construction site reportedly led to smaller blazes in adjacent structures, which were quickly extinguished by emergency services. Residents of the area were advised to close their doors and windows. Around 170 people were reportedly evacuated. Hong Kong's deputy chief fire officer told reporters that 250 firefighters and rescue workers battled the blaze for the entire night before. A total of 66 fire appliances and four ambulances were deployed. We also deployed our compartment fire behavior team and our unmanned aircraft system to the scene to help our surveillances. About the fire, it was surrounded in 7.31 a.m. this morning and was put under control at 8.08 a.m. this morning and the fire was largely put out half past eight this morning. The 42-story building is owned by the Empire Group, who did not immediately respond to a request for comment. It's part of a redevelopment project on the side of the old Mariners Club. We passed by this area last night and only found out there had been a fire when we got back to the hotel. I'm still a bit scared. I came here this morning to find out if the outcome of the fire was serious, hoping that no one was injured and casualties and that everyone was safe. No casualties have been reported. What caused the fire is currently unknown. Cost MNS. NTD News. Coming up, the story of a woman in Indiana who opens a candy shop inspired by her late grandfather. She didn't know it would lead to a special friendship and an act of kindness. And finding a lost dog can be difficult. Many owners have opted out of getting tattoos or microchips for their pets. A South Korean company may have a solution. Learn more after the break. Welcome back. Andrea Snyder is making fudge based on an old family recipe. It was her late grandfather that inspired her to open her shop, the Fudge Kettle, three years ago. Little did she know it would help her to a very special friendship. Um, it was about six months ago um, he started coming into the store. We did just relocate, so we did have a different location um, for the last 
year and a half and then we relocated uh, more centrally into Avon and about six months ago he started coming in and uh, I found it unusual to um, have a gentleman of his age because he is almost 85. Um, he was still driving and he was coming in by himself um, and he, we just immediately hit it off. He has a lot of the same mannerisms that my grandpa did. Um, you know, he likes to joke and, um, you know, likes to say, what's free today? Or, you know, what's my free sample today? Or, you know, just, just likes to joke. And I really felt an instant connection with him because he really reminds me of my grandpa, which is, um, you know, one of the reasons that I have this business. I see. And then he started to drop by, not just to buy fudge, but just to hang out or... How did that friendship deepen? Um, I run a, a group on, on um, Facebook called the Ladies of Hendricks County. And I was telling the ladies there, um, I've been running it for about 11 years, and there's over 6,000 members. And I was telling them about my, my new favorite customer. Um, and I was telling them about Bill and how he drops in, and he's kind of got a special place in my heart. And I have a little sweet spot for him. And the group decided um, that we should do something nice for him and kind of pay it forward. And they wanted to start like a a tab, as we'll call it, kind of like a bar tab, um, to where Bill could come in and get sweets um, and they were already paid for. So in that, um, you know, just from me sharing my story about how I have formed a relationship with Bill, um, the, the ladies have decided that um, they were gonna raise a bunch of money and I would be the, the host of that and, and be the organizer. And um, from there, I was like, well, I need to take Bill out to lunch to, to let him know that he's got a whole group out there um, that has kind of adopted him. And, and it turns out that a lot of us, you know, we're missing our grandparents. You know, we're getting to the age where, you know, our grandparents are no longer with us and some of the family traditions are, are changing. Um, and, you know, some people have lost their parents. Myself, I've lost my father. Um, so we just, we just all kind of came together as a ladies group. Wow, and they did that. They started all that without ever having met him, without really knowing him, is that right? Yeah, wow. yeah, and I, I did not post the story and say, here's what we should do. I didn't post the story and ask for any kind of money or any kind of donations. Um, I'm more than willing to, to give him a treat, you know, if he doesn't have the funds one day or, you know, if he just, you know, says what's for free, I'm gonna give him something. You know, every time he comes in, um, he's gonna get, you know, a little something extra um, because, you know, he, you know, you have your favorites and, and you give them a little extra on the side. So um, the fact that these ladies came together and wanted to do this for a stranger um, was really amazing and really touching. And um, to be able to be the one to organize that and to be able to be the one who told him the story about how much money we raised and took him to lunch and told him about it. I mean, I felt like Ed McMahon, it was really cool. That's awesome. Are you guys still in touch, you and Bill? Oh, yeah. He just came in last week, and one of my staff members told him, you know, to be good, and he turned around and had this really look on it, serious look on his face, and he said, are you serious? So he just, he likes to, to joke and laugh and, and come in, and um, it's never just a, a business transaction. It's never where he comes in, gets what he wants, and leaves. Uh, he's met my husband. He's met my son. He's met my staff. Um, and I've actually met some of his family now. Um, his daughter came in after she found out um, about the ladies group and what we had done. And she wanted to meet me and thank me and, and let me know that he, you know, he does have a family because I wasn't sure until I took him out for lunch 
Um, but you know, his wife is still alive um, and she lives in the same assisted facility that he does. And he's got two daughters and he's got a bunch of grandkids and great grandkids. So he's got a family, um, which is nice to know that he's not alone, but now he just has a bigger family. That's awesome. What a sweet story. Thank you so much, Andrea Snyder. I really appreciate you sharing that today. Thank you. With technology nowadays, fingerprints or facial recognition are used to open phones. But have you ever thought about an identification app for pets? Well, one South Korean company has created just that. Let's take a look. How to recognize your pet. PetNow, a South Korean company, is showing you a new way. Using the PetNow app. So as humans have fingerprints, every dog and cat has its own unique nose print. So we use that as a pet ID. And our ultimate goal is to replace microchipping because microchipping could be very invasive to pets. So our app could be the solution of it. So all you need to do with our app is to scan a dog's nose or a cat's face and put your information in it and that's it. Dog and cat owners can register the face of their pets. It gives the owner an additional method of being notified if an animal is lost, with the pet being easily identifiable by whoever finds it via the app. According to the company, its AI technology currently has almost 99% accuracy. The nose print is actually a unique nose pattern on the nose, so it does not change in time or it, it does not uh, change in color. So it's, 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 it's a pattern, so you, you don't have to worry about the nose print. And cats, uh, for the cat's face, uh, cats are known for self-groomers, so they maintain their facial contour all the time. So that's how we can use it as a biometrics. PetNow was founded in 2018. The company published a paper about AI-driven identification for dogs using nose print in March 2021 and was selected as the best of innovation at CES 2022 in Las Vegas. Pretty cool. You know what surprises me the most is that you can actually just do it by holding up the camera to the dog's nose. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm glad they found a non-invasive way to do that. Yeah, for sure. All right, we are going to end the program here. We'd love to hear from you. You can share your thoughts and your feedback. Or if you have any stories, share them too at goodmorning@ntd.com. Write us if you want. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.